guessing you're used to people thinking, what a nice hobby. <laughs> Could you share something on the realities of writing for children as a professional writer? Yes, I do get that. Oh, isn't it sweet? Oh, those lovely old children. And you do get other people going, when are you going to write on That's what I mean. I mean, picture books and children's books are just such a lovely, lovely space to work in. They're so full of joy and wonderful, but they're really hard work, particularly picture books. The first thing I'd say is that the hit rate is really low, so your hour of writing to earning is really low. So, say I'll send out maybe five or six picture books, maybe only one will be taken, so it's quite a lot of work just to get one through. And the advances on those picture books, really for your first picture book, you really are looking at that, like two grand maximum probably for your first one, unless you've got some incredible hit on your hands. So just the ratio of hours to earn isn't huge. But the upside of picture books is the longevity. If they do well and they stay in the shops, you can earn them for quite a long period of time. And they do attract good PLR, which is the one you get from the lines. We'll talk a bit more about that. So there are some upsides, and of course you can do lots of other things like school visits on the side that I think we'll talk a bit about later, but rarely they can lead to other things, like if I had a picture but it's become a television series and that kind of thing, you suddenly find it, it, it helps a lot, but generally it's not a high earning life thing, which is better. Yeah, um, I signed my first publishing contract in 1997, and back in Days, publishers talked about establishing a writer over their first four or five books. Um, at that point, with the business model that worked then, with royalties, earning out advances, you could maybe think about giving up the day job, you know, it might be possible. Um, these days, the business models for both book publishing and retailing have changed out full recognition, and the chances of being able to get up the day job are receding ever further, um, as are the chances of establishing a longer term career with your own books. If those, if you go for two deals as a novelist, if those two books don't make an impact, then you may well find that it's game over, and that can happen for reasons that have nothing to do with books, and because of factors that you as the author have absolutely no control over. One of the things that you really need to, when you're making a living as a writer is resilience. One thing that hasn't changed, or rather we've come from a circle, is advances. Uh, these days I'm being advised, offered the same advances for a novel as I was offered in 1997. So this is why a portfolio career is the buzzword um, for writers these days. We do all sorts of work. Uh, I work in science fiction and fantasy, which means my fellow writers will write novels, we write novellas, we write short stories, we write graphic novel scripts, we write audio dramas, screenplays, computer game narratives, and licensed property work, things like Star Trek, Pine novels, Warhammer stories. And if you think that doing intellectual property license work is money for our growth, think again. It's very skilled, very demanding work. That's my particular thing. Katrina, you're a prize winning poet, you teach, you've been involved in many of these things on this list. So could you shed a little more on that for us, please? Yeah. Um, I, uh, I think it is possible to, I'd say, scrape a living as a poet. Um, I don't live in London, I think that really helps, because it's <laughs> a lot cheaper. Um, I used to live in London, 
better, in my view, at bringing up people from different backgrounds. Because, I mean, poetry is traditionally sort of, you know, seems very elitist to place. Um, I wouldn't have touched it for a large part of quite a long time ago, recently. Uh, but I think poetry is changing quite a lot. I think poetry publishing is changing. I think the small presses are often at the forefront of that. Um, and uh, producing some, I think, some really good, uh, really great poetry and really bringing on some um, poets from all different backgrounds. Um, and, um, but again, as Abby has been saying, do get your contacts checked. Um, some publishers are a lot better than others, um, and uh, some publishers will check your contract for you, and you can really improve your reading and skills.
sometimes we send you on a promo tour of your book, which is great because on the one hand, you sales and things, but again, it costs you a lot of time. Speak to them to try to make sure you've got at least got all your expenses, your hotel, your food, everything that you need. They should cover that kind of thing. But often in a contract, they will say that you've got to do a promo tour to schools. That's fine, but they should pay your expenses on that too. Don't be afraid to put your hand up and have a go. Don't ask, you don't 
to the impact that the new rules are going to have on the writers, whereby the Department of Work and Pensions will need to start looking for some job, any job, after four weeks, rather than months, as it has been previously. The starting is very interesting in feedback from writers uh, as to how that's going to affect them. So if you're in that situation, maybe that's something you can look into. So 
have agents and they must be people who are um, who are writing something else, not poetry. <laughs> so, so you know, agents tend to more to believe you're writing memoir or you're writing um, fiction, and, and and you're very well known. And perhaps if you do radio and if you perform a lot of big festivals, then uh, agents are likely to be interested in your poetry. Um, I think it's also something to be aware of for yourself. And, how much are you earning? Do you want to give the students then that are like? I have an agent, I love her. Um, and agents are useful not only from the very beginning when you're getting your advance but they're useful all the way through the process as a kind of support network. So it's someone to really go, am I being a diva or is it them? And then they can go, no, it's you, you're being a diva. Money, 
Um, Harry Harrison famously said the stainless steel rack had been under option for 25 years, never come with a sniffing business being made, but the British Princeton College. Um, the big bucks roll in when the cameras start rolling, and that is even more a remote possibility. So it is not something to bank on. Um, these days, where there is a living wage to be earned increasingly for computer for writers, is crafting narratives for computer games. And that is definitely a growth industry in our particular genre. Hi, this is really quick. I'm sorry, it's more of a common question, but um, I, this is a great session. I'm like, stuck with me. Why does come to London and get smart? Like, that is why we're here. Um, so, yeah, I've been a member of the Society for five years. They have saved my bacon so many times. I'm also an editor. I've been editor for eight years. And I'm like, just from the audience to say, this is like the reality of the industry, so we've got to join the Society for this. If you want to be a smart writer, just like join today, please unite as well, because it helps all of us. We're all asking for the right stuff. So, yeah, just to like big up the Society for this. You guys are awesome and thank you. Other, other publishing organisations are available, writers go to Great Britain. There are also genre organisations, um, Horror Writers Association, British Science Fiction Association, uh, Crime Writers Association. You know, keep your eyes open because again, it, these are places to meet people, to learn, to swap news, swap horror stories, and be asked if you want a glass of bread or wine.